Hey Icon, good to be with you today. We are launching a brand new series uh, in Genesis today. Uh, if you've been with us uh, for any amount of time, you might remember that we started in Genesis chapter one last fall. We did a series called Confronting Genesis, where we looked at the first 11 chapters of Genesis and talked about some of the biggest topics in our world and in the scriptures, stuff like uh, our human purpose and creation and science and work and sexuality and gender, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so if you're interested in that, if you want to catch up on where we're at in Genesis, go to iconchurch.org and look up the Confronting Genesis series. So we are jumping in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at the life of Abraham. So Genesis 12 through 23. And I am particularly excited about this series. I know I say that about every series, but I really mean it this time. Didn't mean it before. This time I mean it. And here's why. I think oftentimes people treat Christianity as if it is primarily about our kind of personal, internal, spiritual life, and that it has little or no implication for the real world. And I see this playing out right now a lot with many of my male friends who are turning to other sources to kind of figure out their place in the world or what it means to grow up, what it means to be a man. So looking to voices like Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson who, you know, all things considered, aren't the worst voices in the world, but they are missing out on the opportunity to learn from the scriptures. Because here's the thing that we believe, Christians believe, about our faith and about the scriptures, that they speak to all of life. That it's not just our personal, internal, spiritual life that Christianity speaks to. It's not just about kind of our eternal destination. But because God created the world and created every part of the world and created it to work in certain ways, we find in the scriptures not just kind of the keys to eternal life, but in fact the keys to life today and what it means to grow up and be a man or be a woman, to be a husband or be a father, to be a wife or a mother, to be a, an employee or a boss. Like there is everything we need to know about life in the world here in the scriptures. And so um, this series is entitled Father Abraham uh, for many reasons, but in part because we're going to learn some life lessons for growing up. Now, you might think growing up, I'm old. Do I really need to grow up? Yes, you do. I know you. You need to grow up. Okay, we all need to grow up. I'm 41, about to turn 42, and I still think to myself, I wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up, right? Like, what am I going to be like when I'm an old guy, right? And then I see myself in the mirror and I'm like, ah, too late. So uh, here's the deal. We all need to grow. We all need to continue to mature. And what we're going to see in the life of Abraham um, is that pathway that God has for us to grow up. And we're going to see the good. We're going to see a whole lot of bad, which is some of my favorite things about the Bible, is that we get a realistic picture of who these people are, right? And what I want us to remember through this whole series is that Christianity offers us the most resources um, to kind of allow us, to help us, to push us into growing up in this world and to navigate kind of all the ups and downs and all the challenges that this world uh, throws our way. Okay, so I want to look at the beginning of Abraham's life here this morning, uh, his calling. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12. Go ahead and turn to Genesis 12. We're going to look at the first 
few verses. And as you're turning there, I want us to, to be thinking about this. But this calling of Abraham, one of the most famous passages in all of the scripture, is actually in many ways kind of a, a paradigm. And so we're going to see some themes emerge from this, uh, from this sermon, from this section, that are actually going to be woven into the rest of Abraham's life. So we're going to kind of lay out a big picture, uh, some big themes, and that we're going to come back to over and over as we look at Abraham's life. So Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, and you're going to notice here for a little while, they call him Abram. God changes his name to Abraham a little while later into the story. We'll talk about that later. Same dude, though, in case you were really confused, right? So the Lord said to Abram, go. Now, what's, what's interesting about this, I want you to stop there, track with me here. What's interesting about this is that there's not a, a, a real, any evidence, really, that God and Abram had any prior relationship, right? God just kind of shows up into Abram's life and goes, hey, Abram, go, and then we're going to see what else he says. But he just kind of interrupts Abram's life here with the command, with the call. And this seems to be a pattern that God has. Like he comes to people somewhat out of nowhere and calls them to a new thing or calls them to follow him. He did it with the disciples, right? Like he's walking down the beach, sees a bunch of fishermen. He goes, hey, come on, and I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? Like awesome play on words there from Jesus, right? They're fishers of fish. Jesus is going to make them fishers of men. They're like, wow, this guy's a genius. So they put their nets down and follow him, right? Uh, Paul, riding a horse on the road to Damascus. God shows up, strikes him blind, knocks him off the horse, calls him to ministry, calls him to follow him. Like God has this pattern of not having a pattern. Like God has this pattern of interrupting people's lives. And he does that here with Abram. So he says, the Lord said to Abram, go. And he starts with from, which is super interesting to me. He goes from your country and your kindred and your father's house. These are the stakes, right? These are the stakes. God comes to Abram out of nowhere and in some form or another says to him, go. And he starts not with go here. I'm going to show you where we're going to go and why. But he goes, I want you to know the stakes here, right? He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Now, this is this is literally everything that Abram knows. This is his homeland, this is his family, this is the his father's house is kind of emblematic of his place and culture, his place in the world, his influence, his power, his money. This is God calling Abram from everything that made Abram Abram, right? He's saying you got to leave that literally the stakes could not be higher. So whatever God is calling Abram to had better be worth it because he's already laid out the ask, right? He's already laid out the stakes, comes to Abram out of nowhere, goes, go from everything you know. That's where we're going to start. I want you to leave everything you know, everything that makes you, you. And we're, here's where we're going to go to. So he goes from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, right? Think about this. This is, this is gutsy on God's part. Not a bunch of relationship with Abram. Busts in and goes, listen, I want you to go. I want you to go from everything you know. And I want you to go to, mm, I'll show you later, right? 
basically goes, I want you to go that way and just start walking, right? That God offers Abram a, a direction. He goes, I want you to start moving in your life that way. But more importantly, God offers Abram his presence, right? He says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. So this is an invitation, much like Jesus to his disciples. It's an invitation to be with him, to go with him. So he goes, I, 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 you, you know exactly what you're leaving. And you don't know exactly where you're going, but you do know that I'm going with you. So he doesn't give him a destination, but he does give him a direction. And more importantly, he gives him his presence. And then finally, the very last thing God tells Abraham is the what or the why. Like, why are we doing this? What's this all for? Right? He goes, and verse two, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the promise, right? So God lays out the stakes, gives Abram a direction and goes, listen, if you will walk with me, if you will go that way, but go with me, here's what will happen. I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you so that in you, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, that's a heck of a promise. If I were coaching God, I might have led with that, right? Like just at a pure communication standpoint, I might have led with the opportunity, right? Not the ask, but this is God and he's probably smarter than me. So we're going to go with God on this one, right? Because listen, I want you to go, I want you to go that way. I want you to go that way with me. And here's what's going to happen. Blessing, greatness, a great nation, right? Like, so that's about family. So he goes, I'm going to call you away from this family, but I'm going to give you a new family, a family that's going to be so great. It's going to be a nation. I'm going to give you a new name, a great name, which is what he had just taken from Abram. When he said, go from your family, from your father's house, he had taken away Abram's name, his reputation, his influence, his place in society. He goes, listen, I'm going to give you back a family, but it's going to be a nation. I'm going to give you a name, but it's going to be a great name. And more than that, I'm going to protect you along the way. Those who bless you, I'm going to bless. Those who curse you, I'm going to curse. So as we walk together, I'm going to be with you. So even though you don't know the destination, you only know the direction, you ought to know at least that I'm with you and I'm going to protect you along the way. But, but maybe more importantly than any of that, God gives Abraham a purpose. He goes, I'm going to do all of this and catch the end of that last, that last line so that you will be a blessing that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed right that's the opportunity that god gives abram if you go with me in this direction you could be the conduit for my grace the conduit for my power the conduit for my love that literally i could bless the entire world through your life if you will just walk with me Man, what an opportunity. And I, I love the very next verse, verse four. So Abraham went, as the Lord said. He went, 
No prior relationship, high stakes, no clear destination, but a promise from God of a great nation, a great name, a blessing to the people, protection along the way, and really clear purpose, right? This is an incredible passage, four verses, that really sets the tone for the rest of the Old Testament story. That everything flows from this moment, from Abraham's faithfulness, Abraham's obedience to the call of God. The people of Israel flow out of that. The story of Jesus flows out of that. We ultimately are blessed through the obedience of Abraham here in this passage. So, what can we learn from this? Uh, a lot, probably, but I've got five things. And these are five themes, again, as I mentioned earlier, five themes that we're going to see woven through the rest of Abraham's life. Because I don't know about you, but I need to be taught things over and over and over and over in order to learn them. So I, I can't be told something once and just get it and learn it and go and then implement it in my life. That in order to build a habit of obedience that has to happen over and I try it and then I fail and then I try harder and I fail and I get a little better and then I fail. And then we're going to see that pattern over and over and over in Abraham's life. And it's going to be these five themes that we're going to see. So number one, here's what we learn about what it means to grow and for some of us to grow up according to the life of Abraham. One, growth requires dislocation. Right? I like that word dislocation because it's a, a big word and I think for many of us it gives a kind of a, a visceral, uh, a tangible kind of vision in our head because uh, if you're a sports person at all and you've ever seen someone dislocate a bone or dislocate some part of their body uh, when they get tackled or whatever happens, they fall, you know, dunking a basketball and they fall backwards and the knee comes out and it's just awful, but it's just this like cringy everything in you tenses up when you see this so we get this like kind of visceral feeling we know what this word is but what we see in Abraham we see over and over and over throughout the scriptures and and I would argue throughout our lives that without dislocation without the calling to go to change to break we will not grow Without that, without a moment of go, a moment of change, a moment of break, we will not grow. I just finished reading a book uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Super helpful book, really recommend it. It's a great book. And in it, one of the things he talks about is that in order to form new habits and new behaviors, that we have to, at the very beginning, kind of plow new neural pathways in our brain, much the same way we would kind of hack our way through a forest or a jungle that the very first time we walk down a path it takes a ton of work to create the space and then once that path becomes well worn then it's wide and easy to follow but those first kind of steps through the forest require really intentional hard work that we have to tear down and break and change the world in order to create those kinds of pathways right? So uh, uh, one, totally recommend that book, super helpful. But I think we see this in Abram's life, and I think probably we could all testify to the truth that in order to see real growth, we have to, at the front end, see real change, right? Static environments, static systems, static habits will rarely produce new outcomes, 
And, and I say rarely, just because I know if I say never, which is what I actually believe, that somebody out there, one of y'all will be like, well, I know a guy and he never changed anything and everything. Oh, great, you know a guy, but here's the thing, that your guy doesn't matter, okay? Static environment, static system, static habits will never produce new outcomes. Change has to happen, right? Changing something about our environment is the key to see real growth. Now, here, here's how we know this from the scriptures. What is the thing that Jesus calls people to, to set them on a new path of faith? Repentance. Right? Repentance is, it's the move. It's the action. I say this all the time. Repentance is simply, my life is going in this direction. Repentance is acknowledging that's not the right direction. This is the right direction. And it is a turn, a change, and moving in another direction. That this, this idea of change and dislocation is at the center of our faith in the form of repentance. Right? We have to change. Sometimes place people, habits, identity, right? This is what God called Abram to. It's what God called the disciples to. It's what God called Israel to over and over and over. It's what God called Paul to, to change, to repent, to move in a new direction in order to experience the growth that he has called us to. We're going to see this over and over in Abram's life. So that's one. Growth requires dislocation. Number two, growth requires leaving something significant behind. Growth requires leaving something significant behind. For uh, Abraham, that was his country, his kindred, his father's house. It's whatever is comfortable, whatever is safe, whatever is known. Right, so I, I, my family lived in Phoenix, Arizona, for a long time, and and still, when I go back to Phoenix, I remember when I went back to graduate for, with my master's degree, uh, and uh, I had been finishing it kind of distance through Phoenix Seminary, and I went back to this ceremony. There was so many people that I knew, and so many people who knew me, and I remember telling my wife afterwards, like, I just feel known here. Right, like I, in, in, in all of the ways that that word, me, you know, all of the things that that word means, right? I, I feel well known, like lots of people know me, but I feel known, like that I am who I am here. And there's a security in that, there's a safety in that, there's, a, there's kind of a draw to that, to just a place where you can just be settled. And there's some real health and some real good in that, but often in order to see real growth and real change in our lives, we have to move away from what is comfortable, safe, and known, and we have to leave something significant behind. This is the constant witness of the scriptures, that from Genesis chapter 1, when God says that a man should leave his mother and father, leave his father's house, and cleave to his wife, that that movement of leaving something significant and good behind is really important for us to grow. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that the process of growth as a Christian is to leave the old man behind and to embrace our identity is as new men. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul tells us to leave childish ways behind and pursue maturity. There, there's always going to be something we have to leave behind that's significant and meaningful and often good. Right? Like God called Abraham to leave everything that made him Abraham. 
all of his identity was, in, in, and not in bad ways, but just what he knew. God said, you've got to leave this behind, right? So we've got to ask ourselves, like, if growth requires dislocation and change, then what in our life needs to change? What are people and patterns and habits and places that are keeping us from growing the way God wants us to grow? We also need to ask, what specifically is God asking us to leave in order to grow the way he wants us to grow? Number three, growth requires us to trust God. The same way God called Abram to a direction, not a destination. Ultimately, what God was saying is, I want you to follow me, but I want you to follow me. I want you to go and I want you to go from and I want you to go to all the things that I'm calling you. I want you to do that not because you feel great about the destination, but because you trust me. Right? Not because you trust the outcome and you can weigh it and go, well, yeah, that would be better than this. And so it's worth the pain. But God comes to Abram the way he comes to us and goes, listen, just follow me. Right? This is Jesus again to his disciples. Just follow me. Come, come be with me and trust that I have your best end in mind and that the direction that I'm going to take your life is the right direction, that that is the trajectory towards growth and health and flourishing that I have for you. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is in Psalm 119, verse 105, where the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, I love that, that God's word, that God's presence, that God himself lights our feet and lights our path. And what always strikes me in that verse is, is the kind of what the promise of what is lit up is, right? He doesn't say, your word is a light unto my destination, a lamp unto my uh, where I will arrive. He says, no, your word is a lamp unto my feet so I know where my feet are, I know where I am, and I know what I'm doing. I can see what I'm doing so I won't trip up. And it is a light unto my path. It lights the path before me, but I don't necessarily know where that path leads, which again requires us to trust God. That's ultimately the ask of Abram. It's ultimately the ask of us. It's ultimately what will lead us to growth is that instead of relying on our ability to discern whether or not that destination is good enough, if it matches the stakes we've been called to, but that we can look at God himself and go, yeah, he is worthy of trusting and he's showing me where my feet are so that I don't trip up. He's showing me the path, pointing me in the direction and I will go there because I trust him. We won't always know what God's doing and we don't always know, we won't ever always know when he's doing what he's doing. So our focus has to be on him. That's where our eyes have to be, not on the destination, not even necessarily in the direction, but on him who walks us down that path. So we wake up every day and ask, where's God? What's he doing? That we would be curious about him, curious about God. Wake up seeking him, trying to find him to go, okay, wherever God is walking, that's where I'm walking. That's where I want to be. Growth requires us to trust God. Number four, growth, while often painful, does bring great blessing. 
And, and I feel like we get tied up on this. Some, some Christians get real tied up on blessing where we go, ah, it feels weird to talk about the outcome that God's going to bless me. It feels like a kind of a, a prosperity gospel kind of thing. And by all means, there are people who have no problem with the idea of blessing being tied to obedience and, and, and go way off the reservation with it. But, it but, but that shouldn't stop us from understanding that God very clearly says, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to protect you by cursing those who curse you. And through you, I'm going to bless the whole world, right? Like that's, that's a real promise of God that we would be blessed when we follow him. God wants to care for us. He wants to provide for us. Now, here, here's what that doesn't mean though. It doesn't mean that the path that we follow will not have pain in it. In fact, we see this over and over with Abraham, that there's a ton of pain along the way, a ton of sacrifice and even suffering along the way. But the end result is blessing and the promise of God being fulfilled. And we have to cling to that, right? I, I tell this to my kids all the time, that nothing good is easy, right? Like nothing worth your time is easy. Anything that's easy is a waste of time. It's not worth it. That everything meaningful in life requires sacrifice, it requires hard work, it requires discipline, it requires dedication, right? And we have the fall to thank for that, right? Like sin has infiltrated every part of our world and therefore um, the things that are most meaningful, most in line with the will of God and the way of God are going to have the most kind of sin traps around them and that we're going to have to fight through and fight over by God's grace. Pain breaks us out of our ruts. It makes us attentive. It makes us aware because most of the time we avoid it at all costs. And the path that God is going to lead us down will not be to go around pain. It will be to go straight through pain and straight through sacrifice and straight through suffering because we know that it is on the backside of that pain and sacrifice and suffering that the blessing exists. So growth, while often painful, does bring great blessing. So I want us to ask ourselves this question. Are we ready to endure some pain? How do we normally respond to the call to sacrifice, to suffering? Are we able to see it the way God sees it as a refining fire, as a process of stressing out our muscles or our brains or our hearts or our souls or our lives in such a way that we can then build strength as a result of going through the pain? Are we ready for that? Because that's, that's along the path that God's bringing us towards Number five, lastly, God wants to see us grow. And I want us to hear this so clearly. God is for you. God, want, he is an ally in your future. He wants for you the greatest flourishing and thriving and blessing that you can possibly attain. We have to believe that. Right? Like God is the father, the coach, the leader, the boss, the pastor that we have always wanted. 
And, and there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world right now uh, around leadership and leaders and power and all of this. But here's what I know, that deep down in the hearts of every single person in the world, we just want good leaders around. Leaders who care for us, who will sacrifice for us, but will call us into more than we would do on our own. Who would call us into a higher calling and push us beyond what we would do ourselves. We want leaders who have integrity. We want leaders who are, are, are for our greatest blessing and not just for them. Leaders who would lay down their power to empower other people rather than just kind of gather power to themselves and consolidate it around themselves. And this is the promise of God. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right? Like the posture of God is towards you. He is for you. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to grow up. He sees in you the possibility of what could be. And he knows like there's going to be some pain along the way. You're going to have to grow and be dislocated. You're going to have to leave things that matter. There's going to be suffering along the way. We're going to have to kind of walk blindly with God along the way. But that fundamental truth is he loves you. He's for you. He sees the good in you and is calling you to embrace it along with him. This is, the, this is the good news of this, right? Like so much so, God is for us so much so, as Paul said there in Romans 8, that his son was sent for us. And if we can read this passage, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, if we can read it well, we see that this is not just the call of Abram. It's not just the call that each and every one of us have, but it is the call that Jesus himself responded to. Is it not? Is this not telling us the gospel in Genesis 12? In fact, um, we see this Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 says the very thing. It says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, hear this, preached the gospel beforehand, beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. What does that mean? Paul's going in Galatians 3 and Paul goes, listen, you realize that when God told Abraham, all the blessing, all the nations of the world be blessed through you. He was preaching the gospel to him, saying, listen, one day God himself will go from the place where he was worshipped, from the right hand of the Father, from eternal heavenly presence to the land that was laid out before him so that his life would be a blessing to other people, that he would create a great nation, a great people that he would have a great name so that all the nations of the world would be blessed. This story, these first four verses of Genesis 12, tell the gospel story that this is what Jesus did for us, right? And so Paul goes, listen, if, if God is the kind of God who would give up his son for us, what, what wouldn't he give us? 
right? So when, when we hear the call of God to grow, the call of God to grow up, to mature, to be the men and women he's called us to be, man, we should not hear that as threat. We should not hear that as struggle. We should hear that as God, the great father, the great coach, the great leader, the great boss, the great pastor saying, I see in you the possibilities. Let's go. Come do this with me. Let's walk together. You've got to leave things that are meaningful. You've got to go in a direction. You don't ultimately know what the destination is going to be, but trust me because I've got your best in mind. I want you to win and I see the possibility in you to do so. That's the call. Amen. We see that in Jesus, that Jesus made the way. Jesus was the one that cut the path that didn't exist before. The, the idea that, that life and blessing could come on the backside of suffering. You know who made that possible, that idea real? Jesus. So the call to grow, the call to grow up that we're going to hear for the next 10 weeks here in this series is the call to follow Jesus through the pain, through the suffering, leaving things that matter, but into the great blessing and flourishing life that can then bless those around us. And that's a purpose. That's the purpose for which we can live. That we could actually live in such a way that it would bless all of the nations of the world, that we too could be conduits for God's grace the way Abraham was, the way Jesus was most ultimately, so too can we be those conduits. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you cleared the path that we could not have cleared ourselves. That you made a way for, for pain, for suffering, uh, for sacrifice to not just be painful. To not just be kind of the, 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 the way of life and it hurts and we should avoid it because there's no good that come of it. But you demonstrated for us that the greatest joy, the greatest blessing can come from the greatest pain. You made, you, you could have uh, plowed that way, cut that path so that we might follow you into and then through the suffering to experience the blessing on the other side. So God, we hear you call us to grow. We hear you call us to more. And Lord, give us the faith to follow the way Abraham followed. That, it, that the scriptures would one day perhaps say of us, that God, you would say of us, and so they went as the Lord told them. Lord, empower us to do just that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching into a time of response to reflect on and respond to the work of the Spirit. While we recognize it's hard to capture that in a podcast, we'd still encourage you to take a moment. Consider what the Spirit might be saying to you in response to what you heard. For more resources and details about how to join us on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. As we say each week, Christ is all and we are His.